Good evening. Good evening, Redeem family. Good evening, friends. It is indeed an honor to be before you again on tonight. I too am thankful for this opportunity to share. I want to praise God for our pastors, Bishop James F. Harris, Lady Sylvia Harris, for all of our elders, our teachers. Tonight, it's part two of Hold On. We're going to the other side. My prayer and hope for you is that from this message that you will be encouraged to not let disappointment and sometimes frustration hinder us when receiving all that the Lord has for us. The quote is, don't fall for the fake out. And so what was resting heavily on my spirit, this is somewhat of a continuation of last week, is that sometimes we certainly have to humble ourselves and be able to cry out. And sometimes, though, some things that can kind of get us into that place can have a bit to do with disappointment. Uh, when we have thoughts and think that things should go one way, but then they go another way. And I'd like to spend some time on tonight and allow the Lord to hopefully share with you as he shared with me in this area. Uh, the primary text that we will be coming from tonight is in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And it reads in the King James Version, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word. This is a very familiar text, and I know that most of us are familiar with this text. I'm going to key in on the imaginations here. I'm going to talk about them because what Paul is saying is that we, and he's including himself here, we're not walking in the, uh, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. And then he goes on to say that we're casting down imaginations. And because sometimes those imaginations can start to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God or even the word of God. And if we're not careful, we can become disappointed. That could lead to depression, which could lead to unthankfulness and unholiness. So when we say imaginations, what are we talking about? If you look at this word, it has to do with reasoning or thought. If I was in a country, I would say it's a reckoning, if you will. And imagination is sort of like a pictorial faculty of the mind. It's a reproducing or a recombining, if you will, of our thoughts and our experiences. If I were to say to you on tonight that after Bible study, you're going to have a really nice dinner. It's going to be very nice. You're going to really enjoy it. This dinner is going to be just amazing. For some of us, an image, perhaps, of what we might eat came to our mind. For others of us, we maybe thought about the environment or what it was like, you know, what the lighting would be like or things of that nature, how the food would be plated. All of this has to do with our imagination. And because we've been in this world for quite some time, we've been using our imagination for a lot of different things. Many times our imaginations help us helps us to understand things. It helps to get us accolades also if we're in business or on the job, if we come up with a new idea. I was reading uh, in the Harvard um, study that there was 14% of companies who use new ideas and imaginations that they indeed had greater returns for their investments. 
And if you understand anything about children and human growth and development, you'll know that little children are very much encouraged to use their imaginations. That if you can only imagine, then all things perhaps could be possible. And so I say all of that to say that we uh, have become accustomed to using our imaginations. And as I said, they may benefit us, but if we're not careful, those imaginations could hinder us. Those imaginations could cause us to feel a bit of disappointment if things don't quite happen the way that we want them to happen. And so what do I mean by disappointment? Then, well, you know, when things don't happen, quite the way we want them to happen, then we might feel some sense of sadness or displeasure, um, some you know, lack of fulfillment, if you will. Also, our hope and our expectation might change. We might start to feel some type of displeasure, if you will, if things don't go as we planned. And, and I wanna make a pit stop here and say, sometimes because of disappointment, some of us have lowered our expectations. Sometimes we have lowered our expectations to the last disappointing experience that we had. But I come to serve notice to you on tonight. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises and his arm is not short. He is not looking for us to lower our expectations, but to raise them. We are children of the most high king. He says he has a cattle on a thousand hills. He said if we ask him for something, that he will do it for us. If he says it, that settles it. And just because things may not work out the way we think they ought to be working out, doesn't mean that God is not going to do what he said. But if we're not careful, we can counsel things out ourselves with our attitude, with our disappointment, and with our fake and faulty imaginations, which is why then we have to cast them down and bring them, if you will, into captivity. And so you might say, hmm, what about this disappointment then? Well, there's people in the Bible. I talked about one last week when we looked at the disciples and they got in the boat with Jesus. They imagined that because Jesus said we're going to the other side, they borrowed a page from what they had experienced in life. And they sort of rehearsed in their minds what they thought it would be like. They didn't know there would be a tempest on the sea. And because of that, they started to have all kinds of feelings. They started to respond in different ways and even challenge Jesus and say, don't you even care? So sometimes disappointment can be a significant thing and we've got to be mindful of that. You know, I do have another example that I'd like to hit on. Naaman, or Naaman as they say, if you get um, Google to pronounce his name, he's in 2 Kings chapter 5. He was a mighty man. He was a captain of the Syrian army and he was very well thought of, but he had leprosy. This is a story that some of you are familiar with. And the, his wife had this maid, this little maid, as they say in the scripture, or girl. And what they find is that this little girl said, mm, if only my master was in Israel, then he could be delivered. He could be set free because of the prophet. And this man was so well thought of that the king of Syria wrote a letter for him and sent it to the king of Israel and said, hey, I'm sending now my captain and I need you to heal him. I'm told that you guys are able to heal and set people free. And I don't know how long Naaman's journey was, but he journeyed all the way from where he was over to Israel. And what we find was that when he got there, Elijah, who was the prophet at that time, he sent a messenger unto him. And he said, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored unto you. And then you shall be clean. But watch this. 
In verse 11 of 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman became furious and he went away and said, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and he will stand and he will call on the name of the Lord his God and he would wave his hand over me, over this place and heal my leprosy. Then he rationed in his mind about the rivers that he had just left in his home country. And so he turned and he went away in a rage. And I don't have too many stones to throw at Naaman because sometimes because of some of the disappointments that we've experienced in our lives, we've kind of responded that way at times. Now, Naaman was fortunate enough to have somebody to come up alongside him and whisper in his ear and say, you know what now, if he had told you to do a hard thing, would you have done it? And sure enough, Naaman did indeed. He went and dipped and he was made whole. And he came back and he was thankful and appreciative for it. But notice that his imaginations at first almost caused him to miss out on what God was trying to get to him. Many times when it seems like there's an obstacle or there's a hurdle, it really is just a stepping stone to get you to where God is trying to get you to. He wants to make sure that you're willing to give him the glory for it though. And just as with Naaman, so it is with us. There are things that God has promised us or told us or said that he would do. And when it doesn't work quite the way we want it to, sometimes we can start to ration in our minds. Sometimes we can start to think things maybe aren't quite so fair. And if we're not careful, we might draw back. We might draw back. But we don't want to be of those that start to draw back. We want to make sure that we recognize and understand that now faith is. Now faith is at that moment, at that time. If you have the word of God, then we have to stand on that word. And Naaman wasn't the only one who had this issue. Joseph, God had said to him, Joseph had dreams and God had shown him that his brothers and even his father bowed down to him. Mind you, Joseph didn't know that on his journey or on his way to getting there, that he would be put in a pit and then he would be in a prison he would be sold in slavery. You know, sometimes God can't tell us the whole story because when he, if he were to tell us the whole story, many of us would draw back because we would ration in our minds how we think things ought to be. And what about the widow woman? You know, the woman who was getting ready to prepare a meal for herself and her son and die. And then the prophet came on the scene and the prophet said, well, make me a cake first. She, she probably didn't think that her way of survival or living had to do with giving away the very last thing that she had. And so hopefully by now you're getting the picture that we all know this already, but we just have to remind ourselves of it. That when God says something, that settles it. In Isaiah 58, verses 8 through 11, God says it this way. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He goes on to say in verse 10, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. And in verse 11, 
so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And the scripture is, we've got to make sure we go back to our main scripture of tonight and cast down those imaginations. We have to be mindful of what we're thinking and how we think things are going to work out. We must acknowledge that our thoughts are not like God's thought. We, we don't know what God is doing. Many times he's doing a new thing. After all, he is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's already seen the movie play out. And he's just offering some stepping stones for us so that we can keep stepping to the next level to get to where he would have us to be. He know already what's on the inside of us. The challenge is some of us don't know what's inside of us. And until we are presented with some of these situations and circumstances, we don't start to realize that we too need to be a bit more like Christ. And there were others in the Bible that I could talk about, others in the Bible, particularly the disciples. They probably didn't think that when Jesus said, you know, I'm the Messiah, they probably didn't think he was going to have to die on the cross. They imagined in their mind that they probably would get a whole lot of people together, get a real good, nice, big building, and everybody would stand around and look and see how great and how wonderful they all look. But no, Jesus says, if you're going to be First, you first got to be last. And if you want to be leader, you got to be servant of all. And if Jesus learned by the things he suffered, and I hate saying this, but we do, we also have to learn by the things we suffer. And when we experience some of those things, we've got to be mindful and we've got to be careful that we don't get too disappointed because things didn't quite work out the way that we thought. I can hear somebody saying, well, what if it's something I did? What if I did something to cause it to not work out quite that way? How do I handle that? Well, I said, go ask Peter. He's the one who denied Jesus three times. I'm pretty sure Peter was disappointed with how he handled himself. But he still, God still used him once he realized that, wait a minute, let me get myself together. God was still able to use him to preach to thousands. And what about Paul? Paul thought, he, he said in his mind, he says, you know, I thought this is what I was called to do. But after he came to himself, after he got a revelation, after he understood that God was about a new thing, Paul manned up. And Paul started to understand that he had to pull down some of those old thoughts, some of those old ways of thinking. That just because he had used that way of thinking all of that long time didn't mean that that was going to be the thing to get him to where he needed to be. And so Paul says, yeah, I was a Pharisee of all Pharisees, but now who is this? God is sending him to the Gentiles. But we've got to watch our minds and our imaginations and our thoughts and make sure that we allow God to work through us, to flow through us so that we don't quench the spirit, that we don't get all in our emotions because God is going another route. God didn't tell us how he was going the route. He just said we would get there. And we just have to hold on based on faith and trust that God is good for it. His word is good. His money is good, if you will. If he says it, that settles it. That part in Isaiah where it says, my word shall not return unto me a void, but it shall accomplish what you please. What that means is there's a little bitty piece of God that's holds on and stays with his word to ensure that as it goes out, it does exactly what God says and it does not return back board, but it brings back the accomplishment of what that word was sent forth to do. Amen.
And so many of us then with those disappointments might say things like, you know, I didn't get the job. I didn't think it was going to work out like that. Um, I did not um, get approved for the loan. Uh, many times that we can say, you know, where's my soulmate? You know, I thought I would be a little bit further along than I would. I thought things would work out a bit better than they have. Right? I didn't think it would look like this. I just didn't think it would. And what we would say is that Ephesians 3 and 20 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, whew, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Look, even though we might think, we might think we can think. We might think we know what to ask for. No, we really don't. God knows us. He knew us before we were formed in our mother's wombs. He had already preordained all of the challenges, all of the challenges that we experienced. God knew that we would experience them and he ordained them because he knew that they would work for our good, that they would prosper us on our way to doing what God has called us to do. And so it, the scripture again says in Ephesians 3 and 20, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And so now when we're dealing with some of these disappointments, when things don't quite go the way that we thought they should go, we then have to lean on God. Last time we said we have to cry out. And of course we want to cry out. We want to cry out when we need to. And maybe we're not always at that desperate situation. But then we've got to understand that we've got a God that's working on the inside of us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. If we would but yet yield to it, just like with Naaman. And there was this small voice that said, you know, if God had asked you to do this, would you do it? It's, but it's God for us on the inside of us, bringing his word back up to our remembrance, saying, hey, look, isn't this what the word said? Didn't God tell you X, Y, and Z? And because of that, we've got to know that it is that power that works on the inside of us, that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same power wherein he now sits at the right hand of God with all power and all authority so that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. Even those sicknesses, they must bow. Even embarrassment, it must bow. Even abuse, that must bow. Even anxiety, oh, you must bow at the name of Jesus because he has now all power and all authority in his hand. And it is also the power that is working on the inside of me. If I yield unto this power, if I lean into it, if my faith is now as opposed to my thoughts, if my faith is in the word of God as opposed to what I think might happen, then God can do a mighty work. Greater works. Did he not say this? Greater works shall ye do. Now Jesus did great, amazing works, but look at how he got there. Those stepping stones, some of them weren't all that fun. I don't know about you, but who, you know, the cross and all of that, those were stepping stones to the greater works. And as with him, we have some stepping stones as well. Let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it confused. Let's not fall for the fake out. We want to make sure that we bring our thoughts in line. You know, prior to Christ saving us, the armor upon which the enemy relied consistently on was our thoughts, our attitudes, and our opinions. And he was betting on particularly those that were in some kind of slight agreement, if you will, with what the enemy was saying. 
You know, the thought, the thoughts in my opinion that affect us the most are those that sometimes we're not even aware of. These are thoughts, though not necessarily from God, might even be in harmony with some lie base that may have been planted on the inside of us. Like, I don't deserve this. How can this be happening to me? Is this the type of return I get for all that I've done? I want you to know on tonight, the enemy that is fighting against us, our text talked about warfare, he is indeed a robber and a thief. You say, Dr. Brooks, you said a robber and a thief. Yes, John 10, 10 says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I submit unto you tonight, he is a robber and a thief. Robber in that he will come right up in your face and snatch your health right away from you. You'll be one way today. You could be another way tomorrow. He's a robber. But we must rest in the faith that the enemy can do no more than what God allows. And if God allows something to happen in our lives, then it is working for our good. Romans tells us that all things work together for our good. Yes, you might have snatched this, you might have won this little small battle, but I'm going to win the war. Why? Because victory has been assured. Jesus said, victory, victory shall be mine. And victory has been assured. And so at the end of the day, we want to be careful that even if there's a robber, even if someone is stepping up, taking things from us, taking our job, taking our home, taking our car, taking our children, taking whatever it is that they're taking, and we see it's happening, we have to rest assured that, all right, you might win this little battle right now, but you're not going to win the war because I know who I am and whose I am. And I know what God has spoken into my life. And I know who I've committed it to. And I know that his word is good. And I know that not one jot or tittle will fall to the ground. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed begging bread. He didn't say the weapons wouldn't be formed. He didn't say the, the, um, that the devil walks around. He says he walks around as a roaring lion. He wants you to think he is, but he really have no power outside of your own thoughts, outside of your own mind and outside of your own way of seeing things. And so with these thought patterns, we've got to make sure that even if the enemy is stepping in, we've got to use the word of God to combat him. The other reason why I call him a thief is sometimes he starts to take things and we don't even know what's taken. He starts to kind of like just chip away at it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Sometimes he might let one thing happen. Then another thing might happen on top of that. Then a third thing. You don't realize that all along he's snatching a little bit of your faith. He's snatching a little bit of your expectations. He's snatching a little bit of your hope. Just a little by little by little. And then one day when that tempest comes in and everything is shaking and rattling around, you go to reach down for it and you realize, wait a minute. My faith ain't quite what it used to be. My strength ain't quite what it used to be. That's why he's a thief. He comes in and he takes things that you don't even know who he's taking, just like he did with Samson. Samson said, I'll come out like I did the last time. I'll just shake myself. But what he didn't know is that God had already left away from him. And I submit unto you tonight that we don't want this robber and we don't want this thief to come in unaware, taking things from us, claiming things from us. Because what we know, the rest of what John 10, 10 says is that though he's a thief and he comes to steal, kill and destroy, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ working on the inside of us. And he says that I have come that I might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So no matter what it looks like, no matter what those old crazy thoughts might be, I know that God has already spoken the victory. He's already wrought the victory on the cross. And if I can embrace that victory, then I can walk in that victory and I can recognize that I've got the strong man with me. And the strong man is the Lord Jesus Christ. So then we, as our theme says, we must be 
armed and ready, if you will. And uh, in Ephesians 6 and 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, put be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And have to, having done all to stand, you stand therefore. You know, just before Jesus went to his death, he remarked in John 14, 30b, he said, the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Now that's my prayer. That's my prayer. But Jesus could say it and it was true. The ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Whenever we're poked, shaped, rattled, whatever's in the inside of us, it's going to spill out. Whatever's on the inside of us, if pride's on the inside of us, it'll spill out. If fear is there, it's going to spill out. Unforgiveness is going to spill out. And even the word of God. If we have the word of God on the inside of us, it's going to spill out. And it is our sword. And that is how we start to fight the fiery darts of the enemies. We put up our shield of faith and we take our sword, if you will. And we do just what Christ did in Matthew 4, 1 through 10. When the enemy came upon him, when he was weary, when he was hungry, when he was tired, he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was tired. And what does the enemy do? Many times he comes when you're tired because he's looking to steal. He's looking to be a thief. But what did Christ do? He gave him the word of God. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And on tonight, I want to submit unto you, we too must be like Christ. We must hold fast in our faith. We must hold on. We're going to the other side. We must align to whatever God said he's doing in our lives. We must align to what God is saying he's doing in our church. He must align to what we're doing in the kingdom of God. We must align to all that God has said and recognize that all that God is doing is working for our good. It may not feel like it. It may not look like it, but let's be careful. Let us not, not, let, us not let disappointment reign in our hearts and minds. If we allow it to reign in our hearts and minds, he can then get in and take a foothold and then he can start to build his home or build a nest, if you will. We don't want any of those types of nests. So what do we do? We want to watch our thinking. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And in closing, just like Christ, we must take those thoughts captive and speak the word of God over each and every situation. You capture the thought, I am a failure. Repent of it and let your mind be renewed by the word of God, which states, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Arrest the thought, I'm just a sinner, and replace it with the confessions of your faith, which says, though I was a sinner, now I'm a beloved child of God. The blood of Christ cleanses me of all unrighteousness. Reject the thought, it won't work out, and decree and declare that he who began a good work in me will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, and rebuke the thought, I can't recover and boldly claim, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Please join me in holding on. We're going to the other side. We're casting out disappointment. We're casting out fear. We're casting out any of those things that would hinder us from inheriting every single promise that God has given us, because we all know that his word is indeed yea and amen. You pray my strength in the Lord.